Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time every Sunday afternoon. Well, nearly every because this is the last live show for the year, but I'll um, catch up with you on the towards the end of the show on what's happening over the next seven weeks. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people tuning in and acknowledge that all the lands on this continent and some surrounding islands were stolen and never ceded. Thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news, including about penguins, as they always do, from 11.30 till noon every Sunday morning. There's lots of ways to get in touch with Out of the Pan. You can do so via email, outofthepan855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so. And happy birthday to um, someone who allegedly has the same name and catchphrase, Stone Cold, who turned 60, uh, 50, 67 yesterday, um, had a birthday yesterday. Um, and that's the bottom line. And look for posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner AM and Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. Remember, any opinions on the program are my own and not those of any organisation with which I've been associated and or am and or am currently associated. Don't think there'd be anything triggering on the show today, but if so, um, switchboard on 1-800-184-527 and the Rainbow Door on 1-800-729-367 are there for you. Well, um, we'll be, lots of us are looking forward to perhaps a little bit of relaxation and um, enjoyable events over the next six weeks or so. And there's plenty of arts events. And one such person who's putting on an event is my final guest for the year and joins me via the Zooms um, right now. And that's um, Eva Rees. Eva, welcome to the 3CR Airwaves. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. I didn't realize this was your last show of the year. I'm so incredibly flattered. That's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Oh, look, the, um, you're very, very welcome, and the, the pleasure is all everyone's, as a famous sports commentator's catchphrase goes. Um, <laughs> can I just check in, Eva, with which pronouns you use, if any, first, um, first up? Yeah, I use she, her pronouns. And I forgot to mention, just for the record, that I use she, her pronouns as well. And also, um, whilst we've acknowledged country overall, just also acknowledging which particular land or lands you are on. Yeah, I'm on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation. So we're in similar parts of the world, but not quite the same. So you've got a wonderful show coming up um, in January, um, a fairly lucid production, he slash R. Um, so, um, well, I could just say tell us all about it, but um, that might be a bit <laughs> that might be a bit too detailed. How did the idea for this show come about? Oh my gosh, there's so many different like ways into that question. Um, it, it, it's sort of um, yeah. It, I mean, it's been it's been sort of like a dream of mine since I came out as trans to like make some theatre that sort of stands in dialogue with my transition and to start to like unpick some of those things. Um, so I guess that like the way it came about was just like contemplating like what a transition like does and what a transition means and sort of what happens when we conceive of a transition using language because uh-huh. like that's how we talk about our lives is through language and how that language can be transposed onto a stage and what that can do and how exciting that is. And I already feel myself getting a bit like, oh, my God, how cool, how great. Yeah, it's just very fun. Well, I mean, there there is a really good start to things that you know you are um, you know passionate about what you're doing. Which um, someone said to me once years, um, years ago, an actor. They said, if you're not, um, it was a slightly different context, but they said, if you don't get some nerves going for an audition, you probably didn't want the part. So if you're passionate about this and your adrenaline's getting pumped, this I mean, it goes without saying. Um, you know, I think to to say that this obviously means a lot to you but it's come at a point you know it's come at this point in your life and I don't have to answer this expressly but I think it might be worth putting that in context um can I ask roughly how old you are because obviously it's taken some time to get to this point as well yeah I, it ha- I mean I feel like I've, I've fought tooth and nail to be who I am and where I am today um so I'm 23 to answer your question more directly I'm I'm 23 and I uh, first started taking estrogen like uh, a little under two years ago and I was um, I was playing Harry Potter's son at the time and I started wow. transitioning and it was all very it was all very difficult and kind of turbulent to be like starting a gender transition kind of very much in the public eye and not and not really being in a position where I could change a lot of my appearance because I was I was playing a boy and I was playing Harry Potter's son and and, and it, there wasn't really a lot of room in that sort of a space to start occupying a more feminine aesthetic that I would have felt more comfortable with. Yeah. And, and so it was this really kind of like rocky turbulent stuff. And as a result, I think it just really got me thinking as to like what my transition would mean to me. I mean, I'm using past tense as if it's in any way kind of over and I still kind of feel like it's just beginning. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, you do, you know, you do you know, touch on a very strong point there that um, – you know, um, well, life is a journey. I think even to some extent, once you have a reasonably settled response to gender identity, expression, body you want, 
um, and then it may be relevant as well, sexual and romantic orientation. You can pretty much settle them, but of course there is that old story, you're perhaps still coming out, you're always coming out to new people and all that sort of thing. But you touch on something there. I mean, I, I mean, obviously a stage show and the media release that I have, um, you know, that you played the part of Harry Potter's son, Albus, in the Australian premiere of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in 2018. So you had to look in inverted commas, big inverted commas, masculine to fit that role because they would have cast you in part maybe for a look um, as well as acting skill and, you know, blending with the cast or whatever else that happens. And so there you were presenting, having to present, you know, sort of I'll say in a way that was one way and then your real self inside was 180 degrees sort of different. That What were the, you know, what were the, well, I'm going to say what were the things that happened there? I'll keep the question neutral. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was, I, I, you know, I think I think at a certain point, like we do things for our art and we sort of suffer for our art and we can find a lot of meaning in that. Like there were times when I would like, you know, one of the, so I think one of the most like salient examples of this was I had to have my hair cut quite short for the part uh. and get haircuts very regularly with the company every like month and a half. And towards the end of the month and the month and a half, I'd always my hair would start to grow out a little more, and it would get like mm. a little bit more permanent and longer. And I'd be so so happy. And then after like six weeks or so, I'd have to go into the hair and makeup room, and they'd cut it all off. And I, I mean, I don't know. Like at times, there would I would just like sit and weep about it, and be like really sad, and be like really like caught up in my own like oh like woe is me like and and you know and looking back, I realize it's a bit pithy now to kind of be so upset by things like that. Um, but I, but I also do want to acknowledge the space myself that it was like it was really distressing and it was really kind of hard to watch that part of myself be shorn away from me. Um, but conversely, there is something about like going through those experiencing and find experiences and finding strength in them. And I think I like to think I did that. I hope I did that. That was always my goal throughout all of it was to find the strength in those kind of experiences. Yeah. yeah well, well, you did. I mean. I will say very genuinely, deeply, warmly for a start, you are hit now. I mean, that could have been very difficult. I mean, we do hear of um, assigned male people who perhaps have, you know, struggle and put on a very ultra-masculine facade um, to try to fit in and all that sort of thing. I mean, um, regardless of what people think or feel about some of the fine people, Caitlin Jenner, Kate McGregor, um, you know, sort of a two names that come to mind. Um, right, some, right. Pe- um, some people, you know, sort of go the other way. I'm, I had, um, um, you know, sort of Red Simons found a way to, I suppose, express his gender in Skyhooks um, and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, the fact that you managed to do that um, and, you know, yes, there would be some distress because of that feeling of torn apart, but you managed it and that is, you know, a compliment and, I think perhaps one of the huge strengths that trans people perhaps have to face for the first part of their life when we can't be as authentic as we want. So, um, you know, sort of stage-like applause for, for doing that in the start. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, that's it's a funny provocation. I, I, I really like kind of what you're saying. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I also think that um, the sort of disidentification that happens when your your body and your aesthetics and your sort of everything is so incongruent with your gender I mean like it it creates almost like a neurosis right like it can be so deleterious to the soul and like you kind of step back from it and at times I I like to think that I found the humor in it like when I first kind of realized that I was trans and I was and I was so kind of torn up about it and struggled so much and I'd 
I'd, I'd almost become this like caricature of maleness. And I look back at that now and I'm really glad that one of my privileges is that I can laugh about. And I think that's a real strength. And I think that I would like, I, I mean, that's like a, a blessing that I feel that I have that capacity now. I mean, I think it can be really funny as long as it's, you know, yeah. Well, look, you know, the, I'm, you know, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a distressing situation when you can't be yourself, but I've, I can think of some stories where I just laugh at the silliness of gender identity and gender expression limitations that come to mind. But, um, you know, sticking to your story, because that's the story for today, I mean, there you were doing, you know, sort of um, Harry, Pot- um, Harry Potter's son, Albus, in 2018, um, you know, that um, you were doing that. How long, so when did that show, you know, sort of that stint, oh, it was a two-year stint, so finished 2020, um, give or take. Now, was that, I suppose we have to ask the question, in the context of the last years, or we don't have to, but it's logical. Um, where did that fit in with the the dreaded pandemic? You know, when when the show when the show finished. Yeah, that I mean, that's a really funny chronology. So we sort of ha- I sort of had like a very uninterrupted first run at it that was about eighteen months, and that was rehearsals and doing the show for about a year, a little over a year. And then after that period, we went into full lockdown. That was like the really really long Melbourne lockdowns. And it was during that first year of doing shows that I realised I was trans properly. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of in that break, not kind of, it was in that break that I started taking hormones. Yeah. And we had this massive long break where I'd started and then when we came back, everyone else, and I hadn't told anyone, I didn't really tell anyone, it just sort of felt like this very like personal, I, mean, I, I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, assign a meaning to it. Like I just, it, for me, it wasn't about going, I need to take hormones and be a woman. It was more about the hormones were the end of in, in and of themselves. I just wanted to get to that point. Yep. And so I wasn't really trying to conceptualize an end point for myself. So when I did come back, I had changed. Like there were physical parts as well as I would, I would say emotional and spiritual ones that were quite obvious to my fellow cast members who were just baffled as to how this like person who was playing Harry Potter's, you know, angsty teenage boy son had come back and was sort of not really that anymore in a lot of ways. But I kind of, I wasn't ready to have any of those conversations. So I think I just sort of threw a lot of people a really complicated bone of just being like, ha here I am. Try and like understand the meanings of my body in any given moment. I'm going to make it really difficult for you. Maybe it is teenage and sort of um, stroppy of me to kind of de- try to define meaning like that. I don't know. That was how it happened. No, that's fair enough. So, um, and I think the thing that comes out of that is everyone, you know, there's an old, there's a running in joke um, for those who connect strongly with, we'll call it, the, I call it the trans infrastructure, um, where people say, if you've heard one trans story, you've heard one trans story. In other words, everyone's story is unique, different, and needs to be affirmed and validated. And yours is to this point what it is, that you needed to get to that point um, of hormones for well, the sake of your authentic self and, as you say, your holistic, I'm going to say your holistic well-being, um, you know, very definitely. Um, what Was there a point where you, you did start having the conversations with cast members? Yeah, and, and also um, there were certain things where I had to talk to the production side of the team because, um, you know, just in terms of, like, costuming and my body was changing and, and there, there were conversations that needed to be had about... Um, what would be visible on, on stage and, and, and also from the kind of cast perspective. Um, 
I sort of did that. I mean, there was no like moment where I sat everyone down that 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 would have felt, I think, a bit um, inauthentic to make a spectacle of it. But I think through just like friendships and closeness, eventually I would just like tell people in confidence. And I think it got to a point where everyone sort of was aware and knew and everyone was incredibly loving and incredibly supportive. Um, my my the a person who I did most of my scenes with who played Scorpius, Nick's Calder, they're um they're also trans and like lovely and incredibly warm and held just held so much space for me. And the way I came out to them was um uh ten minutes before curtain call, they walked into our dressing room and I was just weeping. Like I was just weeping and weeping and weeping and they were oh, like, gosh. Oh, okay, like are you like what's going on? How are you doing? And I was like, I'm a girl and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm sad and they were like, Oh, like cool well let, like let's do a play like let's go do the play that we that we have to do and we can have this conversation afterwards and it was all a yeah it was, it was a world it's, it's time wow um, that's a pretty heavy thing i mean it's not like um you know you're an office worker and you can call in sick you know you're 10 minutes away from a theater well somewhat full of people um you've got a yeah. the show must go on or so, as the old cliche goes <laughs> well absolutely i mean i think yeah the show does have to go on right like you can't tell like an auditorium full of people to wait because like you're having an existential crisis about your gender. Like, well, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, but I think what I what I pull out of that also is your dedication and professionalism, which I think might be a good um, um, radio segue um, to use that famous <laughs> term into talking about what you are now doing as your own show, the, the show. And please forgive me if I've just got the pronunciation wrong. He slash R. Um, but yeah, it sounds her is the way we're going here. Yep. Um, give us some, as I like to call them, teasers about he slash R. Yeah. So um, it's about two friends who, uh, one of whom is trans, and they dated in high school before the character that I play transitioned, and they sort of come back together in this very tumultuous time in the cisgen- cisgendered character's life. Uh, when she's kind of going through a lot of like family upheaval and, and a whole bunch of different kind of stuff. And it's sort of them teasing out their relationship and their history and their past and their trauma with one another. Um, and I, I sort of, yeah, I mean, I was thinking a lot about um, this kind of weird thing that happens to time when you're trans, this sort of like weird, like messing up of, of time and, and how like you sort of like go through puberty and then like, you know, a whole bunch of years later, you sort of do it again and, and and stuff like that. And I kind of wanted to play with time. And also the thing that we were talking about at the start with language and how the way we sort of talk about our transitions and our bodies sort of constitute what our bodies then sort of mean and how our transitions take place. And so, yeah, I just sort of wanted to, I was thinking about these two things and I sort of wanted to um, throw them all on stage and sort of see what happened. And yeah, over the course of, um, uh, I spent a lot of time writing it in my dressing room at Potter and wow. would between scenes like throw like little ideas down in my notebook <laughs> or whatever. And it was all very pretentious and artistic and being like, oh, look at me go with my poetry book. Like very, yeah. And and then I, I think it just sort of, I plotted away at it and plotted away at it. And it was about, I think it was about a year, year and a half ago when I first started actually writing, writing it. And it sort of got to this point where my sister, Ruby Rees, is a terrific director and we I gave her the script and I was like, what do you think of this? She was like, I think I'd really like to direct it. I think you should do it. I was terrified and it took a lot of cajoling and, and, and you know, arm twisting and eventually I was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Let's put it out there and make it happen. And 
yeah, so we are now. It opens on the 18th of January, and you should all come see it. <laughs> well, yeah, let's mention that <clears throat> um, now at least once. Um, so you're running 18th to 30th of January 2022. So that is that every sort of night um, and of, at 45 downstairs? I think we're Tuesdays till Sundays. I think we might have Monday off. Um, maybe we don't. I don't know. I think it'll feel, I think once it starts, it'll feel a little bit like just um, like blink and I'll miss it type of thing. Like I think once we start running, it'll just, we'll just run straight through it. So, yep. yeah. No, it looks it looks very Tuesday to Sunday, checking in with um, the um, the calendar for that time. So people who are wanting some, you know, sort of entertainment, um, you know, is, uh, you know, and something to relax. So if we are, because I, as I said, I think, you know, look, everyone's just absolutely exhausted after the last two years and people are just wanting to maybe have some chill and regroup and reflection time and seeing some great performance um, seems like um, a, very much a part of that. Um, you know, sort of, um, so um, you can, um, um, oh, I'm sorry, just getting tickets, I imagine, would be, from 45 Downstairs Direct? Um, yeah, so if, if people just Google her, 45 Downstairs, and as you said, it's stylized as H-E slash R. And, um, yeah, if you just Google that at 45 Downstairs in the city, the ticket link will be there and you'll see all about it. And yeah, yeah, I hope people can come along. It's going to be a lot of fun. Although I wouldn't say it, it's a romp. There is some pretty, there is some kind of heavy-ish stuff in there at the same time. Yeah. So, Mm. Um, you'll you will be able to sit in the dark and all look in the same direction and forget yourselves, but it will also be somewhat heavy at times. So. Yep. Well, look, that's the thing. I think there was just one question out of what your your teaser from the play that you've made this a little more about what the cis person was going through, which I think already strikes me as. An interesting paradox. I mean, you know, we tend to think, oh, it's a transgender, and being perhaps largely focused on the trans person. You've balanced this, and I think that, to me, has already further piqued my interest in it. So, um, you know, sort of um, definitely one to get around um, um, and see. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very much born of, I mean, I think when I was first sort of coming out and kind of reconciling myself to my identity, and I would kind of engage with media around trans people, there is an overwhelming amount of stuff that just is about trans trauma and just like reading and watching films and TV shows and songs and everything. And there were just stories of like really awful things happening to trans people. And at a certain point I sort of went, I actually don't want to, I mean, if being represented and being seen means that I have to engage in stories that break my heart, at a certain point, I just want to forge my own meanings, my own journeys. I don't need mm. to be represented if that's what representation is going to cost me. And so a huge part, a, a huge thread through this play is, is kind of reconciling with the tragedies that happen in our lives without relegating it to a place of trauma and, and kind of participating in those cultural narratives that are basically like, oh, as a, as a trans person, that means I, I have to suffer and kind of rejecting that that very first premise and finding, um, I mean, you know, I think like I think we talk about it a lot in terms of trans medicine and people say like, oh, if you have dysphoria, you should transition and, and if you're suffering, then you should get on hormones. And I don't think we often enough talk about it in the opposite perspective of like, well, maybe you should go on hormones because you just really want to and it's just really fun and it's just a really good thing to do and you don't need to kind of, you know, 
identify with distress and suffering constantly to justify something as big and as much upheaval as a gender transition. Yep. Well, look, I like the fact that you are holding both, we'll say, holding space for both in a degree of, you know, significant degree of balance. And I also just want to pull one quote from your sister, Ruby, who I want to thank for all the organising, along with Ben, um, prior to today. Um, Ruby says, quote, it's an honour to direct my sister's writing. I feel it's so important to come back to what my place is inside this space. I'm cis, I'm a visitor, and that feels like a privilege. Being invited into someone's inner world, you must be respectful. It's being like being in someone else's home, end quote. I think that's really beautiful, and I think that, therefore, there's going to be a great partnership that will come through on stage um, in every way, um, from performance and direction. Um, 45 downstairs for most, if not all, of the two weeks from around 18th to 30th of January. Um, Eva, any last thoughts on um, or anything that you wanted to add about the show or anything else at all, um, really? <laughs> thank you so Just thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be able to talk about this stuff. It's such a privilege. So, yeah, thank you. Well, look, um, hang on a second while I just go get some music rolling and um, we'll hang on the Zoom. And, um, again, thank you for your time on 3CR today. Eva Rees um, there on 3CR and um, talking about the show He Slash R at 45 Downstairs in January, and I'll put links to it in the podcast for today. Uh, Let's have some more music. We opened up today with one of my favourite tracks of the year from one of the best albums of the year, Troy Cassar Daily, The World Today, and Back on Country. Um, I discovered, well, when I say discovered, that's not the right word, connected with a track during the week from the... um, the four CD or two two CD set, um, 50 Years of the Country Music Association Awards, an interesting track by Ted Egan. Have a listen to this one, The Drover's Boy, and see what you think. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. They couldn't understand why the drover cried as they buried the drover's boy. For the drover had always seemed so hard to the men in his employ. A bolting horse and a stirrup lost and the drover's boy was dead. Shoveled dirt and a mumbled word And it's back to the road ahead And forget about the drover's boy They couldn't understand why the drover cut A lock of the dead boy's head He put it in the band of his battered old hat As they watched him standing there And he told them, take the cattle on, I'll sit with the boy a while. A silent thought, a pipe to smoke, and it's ride another mile and forget about the drover's boy. Oh, they couldn't understand why the drover and the boy had always camped so far away. For the tall white man and the slim black boy had never had much to say 
And the boy would be gone at break of dawn Tell the horses carry on While the drover roused the sleeping men Daylight hit the road again And follow the drover's boy Follow the drover's boy In the Camerwheel pub they talked about the death of the drover's boy They drank their rum with a stranger who'd come from a Kimberley run Fitzroy And he told of the massacre in the west Barest details, guess the rest Shoot the bucks, grab a gin, cut her hair Break her in and call her a boy The drover's boy Call her a boy the drover's boy So when they build that stockman's hall of fame And they talk about the droving game Remember the girl who was bedmate and guide Rode with the drover side by side Watched the bullocks flayed the hide Faithful wife but never a bride Bred his sons for the cattle runs Don't weep for the drover's boy Don't mourn for the drover's boy But don't forget the drover's boy
just the beginning, it's not the end. You will hear me sing once more. I'll be on the wind forevermore. There's kind of a lot of a lot of things that are coming up to the fore at the moment as well, particularly in terms of the way that we imagine, for example, essential work and also sort of essential community life or essential caregiving um, and how those how those function. If we think about sort of the way that queer family often takes very, very sort of different forms and very, you know, important and meaningful forms that often don't match the picture of normative heteronormative family life but how so many of the of the affordances or the restrictions or the kind of the the government governmental sort of imagining of the way that we should live and what we need to live and what we need to survive really is shaped around heteronormativity you know it's around the family life in the suburb as opposed to many you know single individuals who have shared queer family both sexual and community connections that sustain them and that kind of give them give them life and give them give them sort of energy and comfort and safety and security and support you're listening to 3cr community radio 855 am on digital and online 3cr radical radio Three CR eight five five AM, three CR digital, three CR dot org dot AU, three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally, first broadcasting nude through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. What a great guest Eva um well was it slash is, never sure about the tense there, but who cares? Um don't be tense, be relaxed, or something like that. Seriously, um just someone who's so balanced and as a fifty six year old trans person to hear someone have that sense of balance to be able to get on with their life at twenty three is very, very heartening. Um on an interesting note, and I'll say this very carefully, I heard for the first time in my own circles, I'm not saying this would be the first time it's ever happened, particularly um, acknowledging you know, posi- um, various um, positive and negative attitudes around various cultures, Western or so-called Western or otherwise, to tra- what we call trans and gender diverse. Heard yesterday that I've now heard of, in what I'll call slightly extended family of three generations of trans and gender diverse in one people, in one family, sorry, in one people. No, that's, um, we're not sort of, um, you know, sort of 
um, what is it? Um, I'm age diverse, trapped in the wrong body. No, three generations, which just blew me away. I mean, you know, for someone like myself who didn't know any trans people until 29, to hear of that and see it all going positively and that there's support is just wonderful. So um, just goes to show that I think there are far more trans people and, um, you know, sort of I'd say LGBTIQ people often then um, we'd... Um, you know, get, um, you know, sort of, if we just need that connection and visibility, um, there's a lot more people out there than we think. Um, the other track, The Drovers, but wanted to mention The Drovers Boy. Um, I had not heard that track before in terms of my diverse musical taste, and we've had a message on that, which I'll get to in a second. Um, from 1982, Ted Egan um, wrote that. I'm, you know, obviously, as a, well, what was I then? Uh, it was about 17 probably didn't have a lot of access to a lot of music back then like we do on the net now and all of that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, that shot, that song, song when I was listening to it during the week on that sort of four CDs he set, no wonder that was a Tamworth finalist. Um, that's just an absolute um, absolute blowaway. And um, Ted Egan wrote a book on the story of the song as per, and as per Wikipedia uh, and the jacket description, Based on a song of the same name and set in the 1920s, The Drover's Boy recalls the time when it was, a, and I'm going to better say content warning here, just stopping the quote for a second, um, for, um, well, prejudice against Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, racism, similar. The Drover's Boy recalls the time when it was illegal for Caucasians and Aborigines, that's what it says on the cover, that's the wording in context, to marry, and the death of an Aborigine went unnoticed by the white community. This popular and moving Australian folk song comes from a true story about a Caucasian drover, the Australian name for a cowboy or sheepherder, who is forced to pass off his Aboriginal wife as the drover's boy. Ted Egan wrote this song as a tribute to the Aboriginal stockwoman women in the hope that one day their enormous contribution to the pastoral industry might be recognised and and honoured, ages 11 plus on the book. Absolutely amazing. And, yeah, thank you, Xavier, for your comments. Your varied music tastes never cease to amaze me. Imagine if you did a general radio show would open our minds with all sorts. Thank you, uh, Xavier. Well, you're very welcome, Xavier. And, um, well, um, open to ethical offers or something like that. And also thank you for another year of interest and support. Um, yeah, well, you're again very welcome, Xavier, which probably gives me a good chance to, well, you know, just in terms of the 3CR aspect of things, um, thank all our I know I say awesome listeners and make a bit of a joke about it, but it's um, is really, you are really awesome. It never ceases to amaze me, given that many 3CR listeners are not exactly um, you know rich and all the rest of it. That we you know so many virtually every show on 3CR got its radiothon show, um, target this year in the midst of tough times. Um, it is really a pleasure presenting the show, and thank you to all our. I will use on this specific case recurring listeners like Xavier and Hoffler and. Um, um, Melina and all, all everyone. And if you're um, sort of a long-time listener but never been a first-time caller, and you're out there, um, sounds like sounds like Bart Simpson. Um, you know, thank you as well. Um, value all of you. Um, really, really important. Um, and I'm glad that the show gives you some enjoyment and information. Thanks also to the three CR staff for all their support over. Well, really, again, it's the last two years. Um, and obviously, um, at the moment, <clears throat> missing seeing the faces of um, Out of the Blue and Freedom of Species. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, it's just a joy doing the show. 
Now, this is, of course, the last live show for the year, and because of the timing of the calendar and midsummer and Pride March, I'm needing to take seven weeks off this year, but also do have to look after myself a little at the moment. Um, so for the next uh, seven weeks on the show, there's going to be a range of repeats of over the last 12 months. Um, there's been, I mean, how do you pick, you know, seven out of about 46 or something, I don't know. Um, but um, seriously, I've managed to do it. And so from next week, the 26th, Boxing Day, as it is in these them there, these parts, um, you'll be replaying the interview with Cat Patrick, with Noah Risman, um, Jackie Pillard, Dion Carson, Willow, whose track we heard before, Release, um, which was one of another of my favourite tracks of the year, and I think that was a wonderful interview, with um, the person now known as Riley, and also um, the Binary Busters show that we did as part of the special um, back in March. So lots of um, great catch-up radio over the next um, seven weeks, and I'll catch you again live on the 13th of February. And um, we'll also take this moment, I suppose, before we go to another track, uh, I will just mention the numbers for Switchboard 1800 184 527 and Rainbow Door 1800 729 367. You can also SMS Rainbow Door on 0480 017246. And um, I'll put perhaps all the num the these numbers in the podcast um, information for today's show so they're, they're handy as well, though they're probably everywhere. Um, we know this time of year can be tough for people, say, just coming out, not out. Generally, for queer people, there are different issues as well as just having to put up with, you know, what is it, irritating old uncle or grandpa or, to, um, or grandma or whoever it is at the Christmas dinner table. So make sure you get lots of time with good people. And for those in the Buy Plus and supporters community, there's a bit coming up over the next few weeks. Um, the usual um, online discussion group, um, the structured group, which is normally the fourth Tuesday, well, because that's in silly season, um, we'll be having that this Tuesday, the third Tuesday, the 21st. Um, we will be having a casual picnic in Edinburgh Gardens, weather and COVID permitting on the 28th instead from around 12 till 5. And then the long, long lasting, the traditional by Polly and Friends picnic is happening on Sunday the 16th from noon till five also at Edinburgh Gardens, near the, both near those picnics near the Circle of Trees. So if you get a bit, well, if you get straightened out over Christmas, um, come and bust some binaries in a gentle way with us um, at those picnics and, the, and those supports. So really important that you look after yourself. Um, well, just in time for the end of year, I've got a new track and... Um, Midnight Oil, who are due to release a whole new album of material, and they had Rising Seas, um, you know, put out earlier this um, a few months ago, which we played once on the show. Um, well, they've popped another um, track out. They've got what's called a visualizer for it on YouTube, um, called Tarkine, and um, I'm going to give that a whirl now, just to squeak it in before the end of the year. And um, well, it's just their Midnight all at their best, really. So let's have a listen to that one. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally.
trees reach multicolored sky. Just close my eyes Well, I lost myself When I walked through you All that I have now Is a souvenir of you Questions about COVID-19? Drummond Street Services 
Queer Space and Queer Space Youth have answers. The team at Drummond Street has partnered with community organisations across Victoria to hear from multicultural LGBTIQ plus people about their COVID-19 questions and concerns. You can now access back sheets and videos that directly address community concerns about COVID-19 and provide accurate information about vaccines and keeping safe during COVID. Head to cfre.org.au forward slash LGBTIQ COVID to find out more and access resources in languages including Arabic, Mandarin, Farsi, Tamil, French, Spanish, Japanese, Malay, plus English and Easy English. That's cfre.org.au forward slash LGBTIQ COVID. Drummond Street Services. Queer Space and Queer Space Youth, keeping multicultural LGBTIQ plus community safe during COVID. A 3CR supporter. Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR dot org dot au three CR on demand out of the pan with Sally, and coming up if you're listening live in around seven six to seven minutes time is Freedom of Species, and their show today as per the tweet other animals are not hashtag voiceless as some activist campaigns portray. One of the voices you'll get to hear is Tilts, in, and there's a picture enjoying the beach here. Now, please, I am not an animal expert. I'm a queer expert, somewhat of a queer expert, I hope. Um, but as far as I can tell, that is a chicken on the beach um, with contributions by Melinda and Nicole. So stay, stay, stay tuned live if you are listening um, for the first time of the broadcast to 3CR or pick up um, uh, on the podcast or for a week or so the on-demand of Freedom of Species as well. Well, here we are at the end of 2021. What what do you say? I mean, um, there, are there enough swear words in enough languages and dialects that I obviously cannot put to air um, that describe the last year and, of course, two years to a fair extent? Um, well, I don't think there are. I'm not going to say them anyway. Totally acknowledge what a tough year it's been because of COVID lockdowns related and, you know, um, talking to a couple of friends, not my own mental health professionals, friends who are mental health professionals, saying one of the issues that began to emerge mid-year was arguments in families, however defined, of should we get vaccinated or not, even more than the, the as much as at least the tiredness of lockdowns, which is pretty um, sort of heavy going. Um so, yeah, it's been a tough year. I just genuinely hope people, I've been saying, I usually say at this time of year, have, have a safe and happy season. Um, mine, um, I've added a word this year, have a happy, safe and recuperative season, everyone. It's just been, well, as I say, a bleep, 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 bleep of a year by and large. And of course, it's not just COVID and lockdowns. Once we got our Zoom and our home office established or wherever we can find a space to work if we were still working, what happened then? And there was some life left underneath, and I think that's where perhaps things have been lost for a couple of years. So if there's been something that isn't really COVID or lockdown as well, wanting to affirm that for our listeners as well. Um, it's just been, um, yeah, very tough period. Um, I'm, as I say, taking the next six to seven weeks off. 
Um, I've still got to go with my person of the year, and I acknowledge the great work done by people like Grace Tame and Chantel Conos and many, many others. But Brittany Higgins was just the proverbial private citizen who spoke up with her story, and that's why she's just sort of edged ahead for my awesome human of the year, um, judged by a panel of one over to this morning's coffee or something like that. But seriously, I think she's a wonderful, courageous and steady person, given what she's endured. And I hope that um, her efforts in speaking up are not in vain. I've got to thank um, Mel, who has um, emailed in. Um, happy holidays, Sally. Please take a well-deserved break and look after yourself. Back at you, Mel, and all listeners. Um, well, with tongue-in-cheek, um, I'll finish up with um, part of my vinyl rediscovery that I've been doing over the last um, couple of um, months or so as I reconnected the stereo and I think oh, I've got, I'm not, I know we shouldn't do commercial mentions on 3CR but I've got to thank the nice people at um, Selby Hi-Fi down in Thornbury who showed me the part I needed to be able to connect my laptop to the stereo and all the rest of it and burn vinyl in for my own private listening only um, and also I'm going to give one thank you thank you to lovely Lucy and Amin at Ara next door to 3CR for the coffee because then there'd be no radio show or I'd be sound very droopy um anyway so i'll take it out for with one of the vinyl tracks i've rediscovered from the 1977 album live at austin city limits the earl scruggs review earl scruggs and family doing the bob dylan song and well it sums up where i'm at for the next seven or eight weeks i shall be released thanks for tuning in to out of the pan i'm sally goldner and as i say just once catch you next year Yeah.